Hey, hey there, welcome back. And if you're new to my podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Have you noticed how many more triggered people there are around you? And have you noticed how you may feel a little more bristly or even knocked off your feel-good train by someone else's words or actions? Have you been hearing a lot more about people saying, I'm feeling triggered or that triggers me? What's up with all this triggering? Do you think it's a phase, a real thing, or is it just the latest buzzword? Let's talk about that today. And before we do, let me introduce myself. Hi there, I'm Dr. Kelly Ray. I'm a mindset coach counselor, notably known as the inner critic tamer, and I am passionate about helping others just like you and me who have survived things perhaps we don't like to talk about, but we know we want to be better for ourselves because it's good for our kids and their kids to come. I'm obsessed with teaching others how to tame their inner critic, that inner childhood conditioning, or as I like to say, undo that crap that happened to you and maybe keeps you somewhat stuck and teach you how to heal from it in order to live the vibrant life you were designed to live. And during this episode, we're going to be talking about triggers and more importantly, how to deal with them. First, let's start with what, what is a trigger? A trigger is any word, person, event, or experience that touches off an immediate emotional reaction within you. It's like being startled by a noise. The noise is the trigger. And the startle is the response. Our reaction to our emotional triggers is often excessive, lasting longer than what makes sense for the event. It's as if we're still jumping at the sound of the slammed door hours later. And not all triggers are negative. And I know that many think of PTSD when they think of triggers or maybe thinking of recently with the 4th of July we just had and how fireworks trigger veterans, military veterans or the impact that it seems to have on dogs and their reaction to it, the trigger that they experience as a result of the fireworks going off. But Like I said, not all triggers are negative. They can also stimulate joy or happy memories, like when you smell a flower that reminds you of a place you love, or you see a photograph of an event where you felt happy, or you remember what that felt like when you were doing whatever that was in the picture. Still, we usually use trigger to describe negative stimuli those that set off sadness or anger or anxiety or fear as well as hurt shame and despair when we're triggered our bodies engage that survival response of flight fight or freeze our hearts might race we break into a sweat we go cold That sympathetic nervous system is activate to save us from a perceived harm. Yet, we often flee too fast, or fight too hard, or freeze too long. These reactions can start to interfere with our ability to live our lives. 
When a trigger leads only to survival reaction, I can tell you it's a dead end road. But they can lead us to healing too. They can point us to where we have personal work to do. When a trigger accomplishes that nudge towards self-reflection, it can truly be a benefit. Still, triggers are tricksters. Our reactions can happen so fast that they erase the distance between stimulus and response, making us feel like they're the same thing. When we develop the tools to handle our triggers, we transform a two-part experience into a three-part experience. We go from trigger to reaction to trigger reaction resource. With enough practice, it can become a better two-part experience going from trigger to resource. Triggers thrive on the illusion that we can't trust ourselves. But once we have access to inner resources, we can learn to catch ourselves instead of reacting blindly or automatically or what can feel like uncontrollable. Then we can trust that we can handle what we feel. As we become more self-assured, the arrows don't penetrate so deeply. We develop a thick enough skin to cope with our world and its shadow side rather than hiding or running from them. And before we go on here, let me share what is considered a shadow side. The term, the shadow, was made popular by psychoanalyst Carl Jung. He saw it as the uncivilized, even primitive side of our nature. We all have a shadow side. It's generally made up of the parts of ourselves we deem unacceptable, don't really care for. For many people, this means things like sadness, rage, laziness, and maybe even cruelty. But you might also see as uncivilized and unacceptable things like your personal power, your independence, or your emotional sensitivity. Of course, some of us don't realize we have a shadow side as we feel ashamed and lack self-awareness. We have not yet taken the journey of self and instead project our own shadow onto others around us. We're sure it's them who has the problem, not us. When it comes to the shadow, it will be seemingly unacceptable attribute you see in another person. And the projection often comes couched in blame. For example, you might feel that everyone around you is lazy and selfish. The reason you never get ahead in life is apparently because they are all too self-absorbed to help you. If you looked at yourself honestly, you would likely find it's you, yourself, who has a tendency to be a little self-centered and maybe even lazy or 
not very ambitious. And if that feels a little bristly or makes you feel irritated, it might, it might be worth looking at. Just, just saying there. Just putting that out there. In fairness to this episode's topic of triggers, I don't want to get too far off topic discussing the shadow side, but I can definitely in the future do an episode on that topic if that's something that you would be interested in learning more about. So I would need for you to give me some feedback on that. Let me know. Now let's get back to triggers. Not all strong emotional responses are trigger reactions. If, for example, you receive news about a sudden death of a friend or a relative, it is normal and to be sensitive to react with shock and grief. Your body experiences an automatic change in heart rate, breathing, pulse, brain synapses. This is not something to be avoided, nor is it healthy to try to control it. When we react this strongly to a less significant event though, it's likely that the past is invading the present and hijacking your nervous system. I'd like to share nine categories of triggers with you. Number one, feeling self-conscious, such as when you're alone in a group or comparing yourself to others. Being discounted, such as when someone stands us up or ignores our calls. Feeling we are controlled, such as when someone is making decisions for us or is telling us what to do or feel. Feeling taken advantage of, such as when someone fails to pay us back on a loan. Feeling vulnerable, such as when we're in a situation in which we feel exposed relationship experiences, such as when we're lonely or feeling smothered. Boundary concerns, such as when someone is coming at us while drunk or disrespecting our space. Number eight, feeling uncomfortable about what is happening, such as when we witness someone being hurt or someone's words or actions disagree with our own values. And number nine, Fearing what might happen, such as when a threat appears imminent. Notice that every trigger on this list, while unpleasant, is a given of life and relationships. All triggers are. This is the way life and people are sometimes. Hell, it's the way we are sometimes. Human interactions come with the possibility of disappointment. None of us is entitled to a life with no triggers. Still, all of these ordinary life events can and often do remind us of trauma in our past. A trauma is shocking injuring event where we are powerless over the outcome. Perceived or not, we see it and feel it as such. During a traumatic experience, we often disassociate from what's happening because the experience is too painful. This makes the memory of it difficult to retrieve. 
It can take years to feel the feelings we've kept repressed. And none of this can happen until our inner clock tells us we are ready to address the pain. And sometimes those repressed memories will come out seemingly out of the blue. A trigger, however, disregards our timing and hurls us into a bodily memory of trauma before we're ready to face it consciously. This is why we often feel such a childlike powerlessness when we're triggered. Yet we don't need to blame ourselves for this. Our bodies have only our survival in mind. Fortunately, in the present moment, we can learn to notice and then question the intensity of trigger responses. When we're reacting to a perceived slight as if someone is trying to undermine us or to give feedback, get feedback from a coworker as a full-scale judgment of character, we can stop and say, yes, it is this way. And what is going on with me? What, what is it I'm responding to right now? This allows us to explore ourselves rather than blame others for our reactions. The more we become able to accept reality with an unconditional yes, the less apt we are to be triggered. So, how do we deal with triggers? Our ancestors learned to make tools at least two million years ago to help them handle their needs. Today, we have a variety of tools, including inner resources, to help us handle our own needs. There are some of the specific, I'm going to share with you some specific psychological and spiritual tools to help us respond rather than react to our own triggers. Number one, name it. In the well-known fairy tale about Rumpelstiltskin, discovering his name means being free of his threats. Likewise, we can keep an inner list with the names of our familiar, often repeated triggers. These could be particular people, words, places, or behaviors. Being on the lookout for our triggers makes us ready for them. Then we respond consciously instead of acting on a reflex. I mean, let's face it, nobody really likes being caught off guard, right? And I'm, so I'm not, I'm not merely suggesting either that we just be on the defense all the time, looking and pinpointing and nitpicking everything and everyone as a possible threat of a trigger, because that's no way to live either. Number two, seek the source. Identifying the source of a trigger reaction, a specific event or trauma, is central to freeing yourself from it. Triggers based on past trauma show us where the past invades the present, but they also allow us to look directly into the hidden world of who we are. When I accurately locate where a trigger comes from in myself, for instance, I notice that I can usually reduce its reactive impact substantially. 
Number three, be aware of projection. Trigger reactions are about projection. For example, if one of your parents was angrily violent towards you, you might be triggered by anger in others today. This is because your body fears a repetition of that original sequence, even though anger and violence are not inevitably linked. Or maybe your first love left you for someone else, and now you're unsure of your ability to attract a new relationship in a healthy way. We predict outcomes based on past experience. Is it any wonder we see so many re people repeating the same experience over and over and over again? As an outsider, we can see it clear as day. But as the one living it, unless or until we're willing to look at those things, we just continue to repeat the pattern. While it's always possible that anger will lead to violence or your new love interest will fall for someone else, that would be a coincidence, not a given. More important, when we make our reaction all about other people, it leaves us powerless, leaves us a victim because we can't change them. When we take ownership of our reactions, we take a step towards healing and letting go of actually the original injury and at least the power that it's held over us. Number four, notice hyperarousal signs. When we're triggered, cortisol and adrenaline course through us. So we might feel fragile disorganized and disoriented. We're unable to self-regulate in that moment. So the first order of business is to focus on calming ourselves down. To do this, you have to have some favorite relaxation techniques that you already practice. And if you don't practice those, this would be a really good time to to learn some techniques and if you need help with that I'm going to encourage you to get in touch with me and let's have a conversation because we can help ourselves by being proactive and this is one of the ways to do this is by practicing a new behavior a new habit so that it becomes a habit a new pattern the way we do things take a deep breath go for a quick walk around the block head to the bathroom and splash water on your face do anything that will help you bring you back to the present moment number five don't fight the inner voice those of you that have known me for many years know that I often talk about the inner critic notably known as the inner critic tamer and this is one that seems to be such a rascal and oftentimes trips us up more than anything is this inner voice. If you're being triggered by your inner critic, don't reply with an opposing opinion. That reaction will only start an argument with a force whose sole training and mission is to put you down as a means to keep you safe. I know that just sounds crazy, right? But I'm telling you, that's the mission and the purpose of your inner critic. A misguided way of trying to keep you, quote unquote, safe.
even if it's causing you harm and feeling triggered. Instead, try using your inner critic's voice as a, a signal that says it's time to take a break. It can remind you to use your self-care practice, like an affirmation such as, I trust myself to do the best I can. This also works when you're starting to obsess over worrying. I trust myself to handle whatever happens. Then this inner voice, your inner critic, can become a tool that helps you evolve rather than hinder your growth. Number six, practice knowing and showing your emotions. Emotions are like muscles. They develop in healthy ways by being used appropriately. Likely, if we've hidden an emotion like anger or sadness, for instance, and even if it's something we've done most of our lives, even crying. I know many people who have trained themselves to never cry. Our ability to cope with the feelings becomes stunted. This is one reason a reaction may feel awkward or exaggerated when we're triggered, or it seems like it comes out of the blue. As we practice knowing and showing our emotions, we become less likely to react inappropriately or over the top when we have strong feelings. Number seven, take a breather. When we're triggered, we lose our objectivity. We may feel like the wind has knocked us out. We may feel like we want to become argumentative and defend our position and all of that stuff. This makes it much harder to say what needs to be said. That's where feelings get hurt. This is where we sometimes then feel guilty later because we said or did things that we wouldn't ordinarily do because we were triggered. Try stepping away for a moment to let your ego calm down. This makes it easier to communicate non-judgmentally about the effect someone's action or an experience has on us. Number eight, try an echo response. If someone is shaming or insulting us, we can simply repeat out loud to that person slowly the exact words that are triggering. This creates a pause that can prevent us from being bowled over or feeling victimized. The style allows us to redirect the energy back to its origin. Number nine, be ready for family. Family members know every one of our buttons and exactly how and when to push them. It's no wonder that we're often at our most reactive around them. If you know a particular family member is a challenge to you, be, be aware. Be as present as you can, and if the situation reaches fever pitch, vacate the premises. Have boundaries while being loving along the way. Being loving doesn't mean be a doormat, doesn't mean stay and take it on the chin. If it's not safe to do that, then excuse yourself. You know, I have family members that, you know, have done a very good job setting boundaries where they might just drive their own separate car from their spouse 
to a family meeting or an event because if one of them feels like they're done <laughs> then they have their car and they can go and the other one can stay and continue on having fun there's no harm there's no foul it's it's what's worked out and no reason why you can't do that number 10 excuse me while I take a swig of water number 10 find the humor if it's possible find the humor in a triggering situation this is one of the fastest ways to diffuse the stress response even just sometimes looking back on your own reaction to a trigger can have a little fun with it yuck it up a little bit I mean I've definitely laughed at myself not as in a judgmental way of you know beating myself up for not handling it perfect who cares it's not about perfection it's just becoming aware and sometimes it's it's kind of you can make a little fun at it at your own expense again it's not about hurting yourself it's about becoming aware and responsible for your own emotional reaction to things that go on around you number 11 know you're not alone we become easily victims of our triggers when we believe that everyone else is able to control theirs. Triggers lose a lot of power when we realize people we trust and admire are affected the same way we are. They may just show it differently, they just may respond differently. But I don't know one person on this planet that hasn't been affected from a trigger. I mean, even if you're claustrophobic, that could be something that you go in a room and all of a sudden you have that feeling of claustrophobia. That's a trigger and it's your response to that. So know that everyone has something and and it's not a bad thing. I mean, it'd be nice to think that we're all just so special that we're the only ones that have these things, but we're not. Number 12, seek help. If a particular trauma trigger is creating unmanageable stress, I can't encourage you enough to seek help. I have been using a technique with my clients called MER, which stands for Mental and Emotional Release. It's a highly effective technique that has literally shaved off 20 years of traditional therapy in a couple of sessions. It's, it's the most incredible thing I have ever experienced. and have witnessed using on countless clients that's just like unbelievable. Number 13, practice acceptance. As upsetting and challenging as triggers can be, it can help to remember that we are one of the body's ways of pointing us towards our own healing and wholeness. It's just a way that your body is trying to get your attention, to get you to pay attention and every one of us has this signaling inside of us. Similar, triggers happen to all of us. They're just simply a part of life. A practice of accepting what we cannot change, knowing that people will say and do things that set us off, for instance, is a way to be kind to yourself. We don't have to accept abuse. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But we can learn to take in stride that triggering events will happen. And more importantly, what are the resources that you will use to support yourself when you're triggered? 
our attitude of yes toward the fact goes a long way towards reducing the power that triggers have over us and regaining our ability to be consciously, calmly ourselves. And if you'd like to learn more about managing triggers or even identifying triggers that you may be struggling with, then I encourage you to get in touch with me. Also, next week, I'll be talking about triggers and anxiety. You won't want to miss this one because you might be surprised what you learn. And lastly, if you found this episode helpful, then I encourage you to follow this podcast and share it with others because honestly, we never know what someone else is going through and what this may do to help them along their journey. And every week, I share ways to help you get through your week. And certainly not last, I'd love to share ways for you to connect with me. I'm on Instagram at Ask Dr. Kelly Ray. Kelly Ray is K-E-L-L-Y-R-A-E. I'm on Facebook at Dr. Kelly Ray B, B as in brown. My website is drkellyray.com. And my email is drkellyray at gmail.com. Until next week, please know I send you so much love.